This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is Central Texas Life with Ann Harder. Hello, everybody, and welcome. We are coming to you from the 21st floor of the iconic Alaco building in downtown Waco. Rogue Media Network, which graciously produces Central Texas Life with Ann Harder, is uh, now in this fabulous space. And who better for me to have for my very first podcast here in the Alaco building than the woman who was dubbed the queen of the Alaco, Helen Quirum, who happens to be my aunt. Full disclosure, (laughs) she is the younger sister of my mother, Ruby Wells. And um, as long as I've known Aunt Helen, she's come to work here in the Alaco building. And that started in 1951 before I was on the scene. Right. So, but you were coming to this building even before you graduated from high school and came to work at the life insurance company. Uh, oh, yes, I was privileged to come with my two older sisters that had worked in the building. And the, the oldest worked in the early 40s. And my first trip here, I probably was about 10 or 11. And needless to say, I got into trouble <laughs> because I started throwing little paper airplanes out the window. Did you and really? Yes, and they had to reprimand me and say, young lady, you don't do those things. <laughs> we don't behave that way in the Alaco building. Well, she worked for WACO for yes, uh, Mary, Mary Holiday. Mary Holiday. No, 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 that was the oldest. The next oldest worked in the medical department. Okay. And uh, she was one of the ladies in, in what is often termed the medical department, but it was really underwriting. And she was there about three or four years. And then my other sister came along and worked in another department. So uh, I was well represented by my family in this building early on. Well, and so tell me, when Mother came to work here after she graduated high school. From high school. Yeah, Yeah. she she worked for for American Amicable, though, right? She worked for Amicable at the time. Yeah, let's get this life insurance thing straight. So originally it was Amicable Life Insurance Company. Yes. A-L-I-C-O. Yeah. Um, Amicable started its life in Waco in 1909, and it existed as an amicable company until 1965 when we were merged with another company out of Dallas called American Life. Okay. And then we became American Amicable in 1965. Yeah. Well, you've seen a lot of changes in this building and throughout your career working in the building. You you did come to work, though, for uh, Amicable Life. Yes, I did in nineteen. And so what, what was your job when you uh, worked My here? original job was a messenger, and that was such a delight because all newcomers, you know, which was usually people just out of high school and stuff like that, uh, they put them on messenger, and you would – your job was to take carriers that would go from department to department 
delivering the paperwork that was ready for its next level in order to be issued as a policy. And so that required um, a, a good deal of roaming around the building and knowing people, and that's what started my love affair with the Alco building. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I had the opportunity to see an interview that you had done with the city of Waco in 2011. And that was a full three years after you had retired yes. from working here in the building, after 56 years <laughs> of being here. Just to get the timeline here. Um, but in 2011, it was it was a big anniversary for the building. Yes, the building celebrated its 100th year of existence in 2011, August of 2011. And it was quite an exciting feeling all over town, and everybody was talking about us, and it was just a wonderful thing. And I enjoyed very much being part of it. Well, this so the city, Larry Holsey, which is, of course, one of the, the producers, or the I guess the producer of this, uh, about a 20, 22-minute video. And you can find it on Vimeo. Just Google Helen Quirum, the Alico building. It'll pop right up for me. Uh, but it was great because there were some fabulous archival pictures, pictures that you have, and we have some of them here on the table in front of us, um, different photographs, and we'll drop some of these in so you can see them better. But... Um, the view from the Alico of what downtown Waco looked like it's, before it's, it's the tornado and then it's after. It's exceptional. And this particular photograph, it's taken from the um, uh, north side of the building looking down at the um, uh, city hall. And all of the area around it where buildings did exist no longer existed after the tornado. And it's... It's not the true picture of today's uh, downtown city hall, but it, it, uh, it's, it's part of our past, and it's a good thing to see. Well, of course, the view from up here, and you can see somewhat, I, I mean, to have this kind of a backdrop for our podcast is, uh, is remarkable for me. But I have literally, just a few minutes ago, walked in my first chance to look and see the vista and pick out all these wonderful landmarks of Waco, and you, you got that every day you came every to work. Every <laughs> day, and then before we had air conditioning, which was in September of 1954, we were able to raise the windows and, of course, lower the top part of the window for the air to circulate, and you can always enjoy the change of seasons so wonderful in the spring and in the fall. Uh, the breezes that would come through were, um, were phenomenal. And it was, it was exhilarating. And I enjoyed that also. But the view was always fantastic. When the weather changed, you could see the clouds coming, and it was just wonderful. Well, let's talk a little bit about the origins of the building itself. Um, this was really on the map as far as being the tallest building uh, south of Mason-Dixon for a period of years. Correct. So, yes. yeah, how, was the intention that it would be this tall a building? Well, no. Uh, it, from what I can detect uh, from the plans, the original discussion centered around about an eight-story. About that time, that was all they were building because until the Industrial Revolution took place and the formation of steel beams, uh, all of the uh, buildings could not be anything taller than seven or eight floors. Uh, for that reason. 
So as the Industrial Revolution just took place and we could get steel, we could uh, import a marble, uh, things were changing, and so they decided that they would go on and build, um, add a few more floors. Then it reached 17, and at that time it was kind of a, a, a funny little story where in the, the builders of the Alco building got into a little bit of a, a spat with the people of Dallas, Texas, who were building the Adolphus Hotel. And each party would say, my building is going to be taller than your building. <laughs> and uh, it was in the newspapers, back and forth, what was going to happen. So ultimately, uh, for our astute leadership, uh, we went on and extended it to 22 floors in order to be classified as the tallest building west of the Mississippi and south of the Mason-Dixon line. And uh, we won the first bout. <laughs> At least the, for a while. <laughs> yeah, the, the tallest building that came along later that, uh, that really did scope us out was, uh, as best as we can tell, down in, in San Antonio about the 1928, 29, somewhere in there, uh, one of the residents of San Antonio sent us a letter to let us know that um, uh, uh, we had been surpassed by one of their buildings. <laughs> and uh, uh, as, as the corporate industry revealed, that was, there was a lot of oil in Texas about that time. And so they were beginning to build more and more office buildings. And uh, uh, so more cities were, were having uh, of that privilege of building uh, tall buildings. And, uh, but it took them a long time to get taller than my Alico building. <laughs> well, and of course, you count to the very tippy top of the flagpole. Which which brings it to what three three hundred and five feet from okay from the, what is what was considered the street level, mm -hmm. not not the uh, uh, the other level. Of course, we were just saying, and I, and I had seen on the interview you'd done before that there was a fellow who would actually climb up that and paint the, the <laughs> paint that top ball gold and then the flagpole silver. Yeah, every, about every couple of years or so, he would come around and say, it's time to paint it. And, of course, our, uh, our leadership said, hey, we we'll don't have at it. <laughs> and then he signed the proper documents, of course. And, and within about 20, 25 minutes, we had uh, a new coat of paint on our flagpole. And we were also very excited over that because if we were down on the street, we'd look up and see the little, the little man scurrying up the that's a braver man than I, that's yeah. for sure. Uh, some of the, the, the kiddos that have gone to lunch and they would come back and they say, oh, he's up there, he's up there. <laughs> well, <'Cause clears> nobody <throat> else was allowed to do that, of course. <laughs> I imagine. It, well, it just maintenance of the building. I mean, these are beautiful windows, but in order to clean them, I mean, somebody's got to And we had a regular the team side. that would, would, mm -hmm. would come ever so many years and, and, uh, uh, and uh, wash the windows. And, uh, and that would be a delight to have that. And, uh, but as we did go into developing our air conditioning system for the building, which they used the shaft in the back of the building as the floor to house 
uh, 15 tons of air for each floor. Mm. And so we were able to place a thermostat on each floor that uh, would allow the company personnel or the tenants to have the temperature range that they desired. And so it was very effective. And so, of course, when we flipped to air conditioning, we had to make sure all the windows were closed and they became sealed. <laughs> and uh, yeah. uh, and we were not permitted to... There are a few bit windows left that were not sealed for, um, for OSHA reasons, but other than that, we... Um, um, Every window is, was sealed and no hot air could come in. <laughs> well, now let's, let's talk about something that happened in 1953. Oh, <laughs> in the tornado. May. <laughs> in May. <laughs> Yeah, you were working that day. You were on the 18th floor, correct? 18th floor. And uh, your job at that time, it was something to do with cards or something. At that that time, our company was was real forward-thinking. We used as part of our data processing center what they called the IBM 80-column card information source. And so these cards would have information that pertaining to the policy in any way, shape, or form. And my job at that time was to pay renewal commissions, and I would have these cards pulled out of the master file. And once the statement for the agent was created, okayed, and ready to go out, these cards had to be recycled back into the master file. All of this had to be done by card sorters and on the south side of the building we had our card sorter set up on the 18th floor and it was going to take me about two days to uh, rearrange all of these for they could be you know used again for the following month so the windows were up Mm -hmm. and uh, it being not air conditioned at that time ever so often I would walk to the window when the machines were running and uh take a look out the window to the horizon. And that was, of course, the day of the tornado. And uh, from about noon on, I could see the front moving in as a result of uh, my job performance. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, you, could, you couldn't miss it from where you were as, as it was moving in from Hewitt and, this and from the, from the south Lake side. Up. Yeah, it was yeah. And dark and black and ugly and green. <laughs> yeah, so... The windows, you had the windows up. Oh, yeah. And that probably helped. The process, somewhat. yes, it did. That process at that time, every morning, our maintenance crew would go through, open each department, turn the lights on, and raise the windows, especially if it were in the summertime. And we had ceiling fans, and we also had floor fans. And needless to say, we were famous for paperweights. Mm-hmm. We, had, <laughs> yeah. we had to use a lot of paperweights. But nonetheless, we had the windows up, and we were able to envision, look, and see what's going on weather-wise very easy. And, uh, and yeah. I had that opportunity that day to, to do that. So you were told 
we need to leave this floor. Yes. Because it was it was getting really yeah, nasty. Yeah, the supervisors came through and said, put the windows down and go to the center of the building. And then by that, that was about 4.30. The tornado actually hit our building at 4.36 because that's when all the electricity popped. And by that time, uh, being working on the 18th floor, all of the people that had worked on the 21st floor down to 18 were ahead of us. They were already leaving the building, and we had to go down the stairwell. And it was very, very black, very, very dark, and uh, we were young and scared. Imagine. And and crying a lot. Yeah. And, uh, and you had to hold on to each and other. And we had really? to hold on to each other yeah. until we got down to the, I think when we got down to the eighth floor, we could um, have, the, there was a little bit of daylight. The rain had let up and the tornado was over. And, um, and I went to the window. A friend of mine said, come see out the window, which was the Austin Street side. I was on the eighth floor, and when I looked out that window, I could see the R.T. Dennis building had collapsed. And I think that was when we realized that this was such a tremendous tragedy. So many of the victims were in that building. More than 100 Mm -hmm. people did die in that tornado. Yeah, there were 114 people that lost their lives. We lost one employee. Really? Our employee got off at 4.30. I'll backtrack just a little bit because we had so many tenants that normally worked 8 to 5. Our company hours were from 8.15 to 4.45. So traditionally, our company employees would start leaving about 4.45. And she had to open the cashier window on the 21st floor uh, to accommodate people who wanted to pay their insurance premiums, which there were many at that time, because they had a chance to go up in the Alco building, and that was quite a, a treat for yeah. them. And at 4.30, she got off and left the building and walked across the street to join her ride, and uh, she got the car, the wall of the R.T. Dennis building fell on her. Mm. Yeah. Well, and of course, you know, we, we hear, I did as an employee of WACO Radio and how important WACO was in uh, chronicling what happened and reporting on the aftermath because WACO was in the Alico yes. building. Uh, they set up offices, our studios, in our building in 1933. The year that they actually left the building, I do not remember because they built their own building, I think, at the time, but it was before the tornado because the, the tall tower on top of the building was not here at the time of the tornado. Mm. But um, uh, they did have um, uh, some facilities that they were broadcasting from. Yeah. And, uh, I remember hearing the uh, audio of Goodson McKee. Yeah, yeah he would stand on the some, corner yeah. with his microphone and interview people as they would come yeah. into. Another unique thing about uh, uh, the rescue effort was our second floor, which belonged to the um, uh, First National Bank building, was used for a command center. And so because we had water, our building was equipped for what We had our own generators. We had water. And so all of the leadership of the city of Waco would come together and be in, in, this, build, in this floor. And uh, food would 
cots were brought in and food. And so uh, uh, WACO can still broadcast, you know, off the street, and they knew what, immediately who was here and who, what was going on and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was very effective for us for such a tragedy. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's a fascinating story, and it's a, <laughs> it's a treasure to me that you survived that, having, having actually gone through the tornado here in the Alico building. Yes. Um, you say a lot of what helped with the weathering of that particular storm is all the beautiful marble that provided, you know, a lot of added structure. I, I would say stability inside. to, into yeah. the hallways and everything. Yes, the, the marble was very, very, very beautiful and very, very effective. Uh, but here again, if we go back to the original architects and their desire at the time was to build a building that would withstand hurricane load and it was determined that fifth and austin the corner of fifth and austin is one of the windiest corners in town Mm. and if you've ever been down there when the wind is blowing you would have to agree (laughs) (laughs) yeah it just sort of (laughs) comes right around well in topography has a lot to do with weather and how how all that works um yeah just a, a remarkable part of waco history and, and it co- sort of when the tornado did its devastation in 53, it kind of accelerated the move to the suburbs, yeah, uh-huh. particularly for downtown merchants. Yeah, it, 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 they did. They, they and, were, you know, the A few had already moved out. Started, the Lake Air Mall had been built, and it was, yeah. just, um, it, it was just evident that at some point in time, some of our major stores would move out, yeah. and the tornado just sort of... Yeah. And it also... Um, was a dreadful thing to say, but the damage <coughs> to certain sections of East Waco enabled Baylor University to have a growth pattern mm-hmm. and to pick up some more of the space that they needed to enhance their campus. And so we did have a few good things that came, but uh, all in all, it was a tragic day. Yeah. Well, I, I and what I did not know... Um, Till I saw your interview, is exactly when the big red letters A L I C O went on the building. That really wasn't until the '60s, right? That was in the early '60s. And what was what kind of prompted that? Well, I, I would suspicion. <clears throat> I don't really know for sure, but we were going to change our name prior to all of this. It was known as the Amicable Building. Oh, it yeah. was never referred to as the Alico building okay. until the lights went up. Uh, prior to that, it was always, I'm going to the Amical building, yeah. I work in the Amical building, or I've been to the Amical building. Okay. And so uh, that effectively would be no more uh, a, a legal name to a certain extent uh, because the company that owned and occupied it would now be called American Amicable. And so in order to uh, uh, have our letters out there and be known as, as the American Amicable, we just started calling it the Alco Building. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and to me, that's more recent history. Um, I, I, I was fascinated to, to learn that. Another interesting aspect of this building back when it was originally built was that there was a, a spring, a natural spring. Yes. Underneath <laughs> that they had to deal with. And they, well, for a couple of days, they had trouble capping it. 
but uh, they finally capped it, and and we have a well had a well down there that provided artesian water, nice and cool and chilled, <laughs> to uh, the tenants in the building, and we had a fountain that went up and down the building in the hallway, and you could just take your glass and go out there and get you a nice cold glass of water. Really? On uh, uh, on on many occasions. Uh, because it was very, very warm in this building prior to air conditioning. <laughs> you drank a lot of water. Yeah, and <laughs> no, we, no we shuffled many, many, many paperweights, <laughs> let me tell you that. Well, I, I'm grateful that it's air conditioned. That is that is for sure. Um, yeah, it's, it's just been a, it's a fascinating story and, and need to hear from someone who has seen so many, so many decades of change Changing. here. Um, you know, you... you we talk about how you know Waco at one time so famously was quoted by Sam Jack McGlasson as being brain dead. Downtown Waco, not the case anymore. <laughs> and just just your thoughts about how how things have changed. Oh, I just think it's wonderful, and I think it's beautiful. I think we have uh, a, a lot of people that are involved and are anxious to to help promote Waco and its all of its wonderful history as well as its capability of being leaders in the corporate world. And uh, so it's just delightful to, to see that finally taking place. There was a couple of decades in there where we were all <laughs> working very hard to change the scenery, and it just didn't quite catch Yeah, the, the, the mall on Austin Avenue with yeah, the one-way. Yeah, we had the mall. We worked on that, that, and, that, that and we went out. through all that sock of, of, of changing it back mm -hmm. where the traffic could come and go and just yeah. various things of that nature. And um, uh, But we were very, very excited when it started getting back, and Baylor was beginning to expand its campuses, and uh, it was just a one, and we were having more retail as well as more manufacturing move into the community. And so it, we were just delighted to, to be able to see all this come about. Yeah, of course, Chip and Joanna have really been a, a catalyst for that. And I, I can remember um, on, on Fridays, I'd go pick up my mother, your older sister, Ruby, and uh, we'd, we'd go to lunch or do something. But anyway, we'd kind of drive around the outskirts where the silos were. And she said, you know, we were kids. We would ride our bicycles up to the, and they were old and rusty <laughs> then. So uh, yeah, from oh, from, I can just imagine from your home there on Bell's Hill. You grew yeah. up on Bell's Hill. <laughs> yeah, we, to ride we, your bikes around those silos, and yeah, now and it, it is a vacation destination. Yeah. Who'd have thought? Uh, and that that is it's just fantastic because <laughs> when the silos were originally built, they were part of of some kind of a grain type yeah yeah you know and they were sorting and uh, salvaging the grain cattle and all this kind of business so uh, there would be an aroma a very sweet aroma of ground up grain really and we we if the wind were kind of right we, you could smell it but you it smell it up different. here <laughs> <laughs> it would be real different oh um, yeah I, I got tickled we talked about that oh they're grinding grain over there <laughs> We would laugh and giggle about that. Oh, man, so much we can talk about about the building. You know so much about the history of it and the ins and outs. And for um, the later part of your career here, you were working at, as a manager helping with 
placing oh. people in the office yeah, I, 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 I took my real I got my real estate license and with um, an emphasis on uh, uh, property management and so uh, I started the um, working with as a real estate coordinator for the company and in, in, in leasing and uh, of course we were uh, uh, we had lots of people that would want to put an antenna on top of the building. Mm, and we good. went through that particular period of time where we were leasing antenna space. Then as our company, part of our company was moved to Houston in 1984, we uh, were able to free up office space. So once again, we round robin, we went back to being an office building with space for rent for uh, various tenants. And we were very delighted to be able to do that uh, and, and have other people, new people, share the love for our building like we did. Well, Rogue Media <laughs> is the latest <laughs> on the list. And we welcome them. Uh, and I'm, here I am speaking as though I'm still here. But, but uh, it's a part of your life. It, I mean, it's Very few people realize that uh, yeah. it's my building. <laughs> yeah, it's your, well, of course, it's your, Queen of the Alico. Of course, it's your building. And, in fact, in this and article there's a, a picture of you up on the roof was that scary uh it kind of <laughs> in a way uh but uh, uh I, I had been up there several times and of course when i first went to work up here several of us would take our sandwich and our big bottle of coke and and set up there and have our lunch and really never think anything about it yeah but uh, uh as the through the years liability insurance and everything whatever there we became more cautious about who had access to the roof and uh but uh I, I would have a chance to go up there very frequently and i did appreciate that I, I did i did enjoy that very very much and it's windy very very windy up there i'll bet i'll bet well it has been so much fun to uh get to get you on tape this way <laughs> to oh, I, have you I be a guest you. on the podcast because She's a little reluctant when it comes to doing Oh, interviews. I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm, I'm very, very reluctant now. <laughs> well, but but it, it's just a delight to, because it's been a few years, I guess, since you've come down here, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't get down as frequently as I used to. Uh, uh, I came uh, about six weeks ago for a friend who was retiring, and oh, that uh -huh. was indeed a joy. Uh, but uh, uh, COVID kind of knocked a lot of us out because many yeah. of them had to work from home and uh and some of those are still working from home that are still employed and uh but it it was a delight to be in the building and to uh walk the halls again yeah well she introduced me to joe webb who is the current manager of everything uh, and uh, and we're gonna do a little roaming around and see what see what yeah, kind we, of trouble we can get into a lot of right. I try to make some paper airplanes yeah. and throw and, them out the window and as things changed and we were became part of the uh, uh, uh world of marketing space we had to lower the ceilings mm -hmm. and of course that was real easy and w we wanted to do that uh to put in effect to allow all of the wiring when the building was built in 1910 it was wired for electricity by all means but as we you know had our demands especially for air conditioning we went to stronger and stronger we had our own generation generator mm -hmm. 
Well, in fact, it, when it was first built, there were oil lamps. We had oil lamps, hallway. and we had our own oil field. We have a, had a big oil tank and a coal tank in the basement. Yeah. But, <laughs> wow. uh, but there were little oil lamps, you know. You could walk up and down the hallway and, and, and turn the oil lamps, and that was people like that. And we had many, many tenants. We've had a beauty shop in the building we in, in the early years, and we had a lot of bookkeepers. Of course, today they're all CPAs. And lots of the legal community. And some medical, too, right? And we had a Dentists lot of the medical people, yeah. dentists, and, and a lot of them that were very, very... So uh, a very well-used yes. building, besides being the home and then of amicable life insurance. The community, I mean, the city of Waco was already beginning to build other buildings as well. Mm -hmm. uh, the Praetorian building came along, the professional building came along, and the Raleigh Hotel... Uh, which, of course, those buildings are still existing. And then the Medical Arts Building up on 9th Street, they were all coming along to, as well and and uh, helped fill the gap of, of people needing office space. Mm -hmm. And it was quite the thing in the 20s and 30s. Well, it's exciting to be here and to be a part of it and to have a chance to visit with you. It, it's, it's certainly exciting for me yeah good good <laughs> irrespective of how i'm feeling <laughs> <laughs> well we are glad <laughs> glad that you had a chance to be with us and thank you for joining us and we will be back again with central texas life central texas life with ann harder is part of the rogue media family be sure to check out our other shows at roguemedianetwork.com Please rate this show five stars on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Join us again soon for more Central Texas Life with Ann Harder. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.